0: Good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining me. It is a beautiful Monday morning. It is 1030, which means we are starting Bible class. Uh, Today is a new series. We are starting the theology of hymns. And I thought the best place to start would be with a mighty fortress is our God. So that's what we're doing today. We're taking a look at Martin Luther's hymn. A mighty fortress is our God. If you're uh, not a Lutheran, you may not know this hymn. I invite you to Google it and watch it on YouTube. Uh, if you are a Lutheran, there's a really good chance that you've sung this hymn a time or two or 20. So we will be looking at Luther's hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. Okay, so we will... Uh, a Mighty Fortress is Our God. We will look at the four, first four verses. I, I don't know if there's more than four verses. Um, my guess is that uh, you may have other versions that have more verses. There's a lot of versions of this out there. But uh, we're just going to, we'll read through a part of a verse and we'll talk about the theolog- theology of it. But before we do, I just want to say the reason why we're doing this. It's important for us to think about the theology of the hymns or praise songs that we sing. When we sing a song in worship, what are we really singing? What are we really saying? Is there a biblical basis for what we are singing? Is there a biblical basis for what we are saying? It's uh, when we when we're talking about scripture. Sometimes it's easier to remember songs or hymns than it is to remember Bible verses. And so, it's important that we know whether these favorite hymns of ours are actually from the Bible or or not. Uh, and what do those say about who God is? compared to what we actually, what, what we think God is. You know, what the picture of God that we have, the understanding of God that we have, does that come from Scripture? Does that come from hymns? Uh, and do those hymns come from Scripture? So uh, so we need to uh, talk through these things. So we are starting today with A Mighty Fortress is Our God. Tomorrow we are going to look at the hymn Amazing Grace. We had some requests for Amazing Grace. And then going forward, I would love to have your recommendation. What are hymns that you would like to do this with? Please comment uh, on, Please comment and let me know. And I will. we will do this as long as we have to, as long as we want to, looking at different hymns and different theologies of hymns. So we'd love to hear from you. Uh, and let me know if there's a hymn that you would like us to do a study on. Okay, so back to A Mighty Fortress. Okay, so the first line is, A Mighty Fortress is our God. A sword and shield, victorious, he breaks the cruel oppressor's rod, and wins salvation glorious. So, if you're if you're watching us live, you see that I'm I'm showing the the hymn that I'm using. There are different translations. This is the one out of the ELW, which is the Evangelical Lutheran Worship. Uh, uh, so we have permission to use this. Uh, so a mighty fortress is our God. Well, that comes from Psalm eighteen, uh, Psalm eighteen, verse two. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Well, why would you have to say that about God? Why would you have to say that about God? Well, I think right there at the very beginning, Luther is writing about a problem in the world, a problem in the world. And here is what Luther, the problem in the world, according to Luther, that there is a cosmic spiritual battle going on like the forces of God versus the forces of evil. The forces of God versus the forces of devil of the devil. And they are fighting nonstop over you. Over each of us. We are that which is being fought over. And so there's this constant battle going on. Not so much in the way that we think of a normal battle where one side fights the other side. It's that this evil dark side is working in our lives to try and get us uh, to try and lead us to spiritual ruin and god is there to protect us and so the the battle is not happening like in space where the good and the bad are fighting no it's happening right ar- all around us all the time and so luther says god is our fortress our mighty fortress who is there our defender uh the horn of my salvation god is there to protect us um against against the uh the old satanic foe. So that's the next line. The old satanic foe has sworn to work us woe. I think it's so interesting when when hymns or songs or anything is written in a different language, is being written in German, and then it's translated into English, and the English translator has to make it rhyme. I don't know how they do that. That is a spiritual gift. The, the old satanic foe has sworn to work us woe. I mean, that's another way of saying uh, the, Satan is going to do everything Satan can throughout our lifetime to try and bring us to, to, to ruin. And so uh, Revelation twelve nine, the ancient serpent called the devil or Satan who leads the whole world astray. Satan's goal is to lead the whole world astray, to lead you astray, to lead me astray, to lead us all astray. Now, I know that there's a lot of people today who don't believe in Satan, who think that Satan is something that we have created because we need someone to blame for the bad things that we do. Uh, Scripture tells us that Satan is real. Martin Luther believed in Satan so much that in his morning and evening prayers, he talked about evil and and the evil foe uh, protecting me uh, from the from the wicked foe, both in morning and night. And so you know, this idea that Satan isn't real, I mean, that the one thing Satan really wants is for you to believe that Satan isn't real, right? So um, we as people of faith believe that Satan is real because that's what the Bible says and that's what Jesus said and that's what Luther believed. And so that there is a force out there working against us, trying to bring us to ruin. And 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 when we make bad decisions, it's no one's fault but our own. When we do bad things, it's no one's fault but our own. But Satan is trying to lure us over to do those things to do those things to to make bad decisions and he has sworn to work us woe. 1 Peter 5:8 Be be alert and sober of mind. Your enemy the the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. The the devil is always out there trying to trying to find someone trying to find an in to To change your attitude, to change your outlook on life, to take, to take away your faith, to look for reasons, to do whatever, so that our lives can, are going to be more difficult, right? Uh, and so then to finish, it's um, with craft and dreadful might he arms himself to fight on earth he has no equal. So the devil, the devil has craft and might that we cannot. Compete against. And so if you look at Ephesians 6, we're going to go to this later. It's put on the armor of God. Put on the armor of God because on earth, Satan has no equal. Satan is a formidable opponent, better than we are, stronger than we are, more craftier than we are. We have to admit that we cannot defeat Satan on our own. And that is the promise of God's presence that I will be with you so that you can overcome that. Uh, God is a fortress, a defender, a helper. And Satan, whose power is unequaled on earth, seeks our spiritual ruin. And God says, I'm not going to let that happen. I'm not going to let that happen. So God is our mighty fortress. There's a lot of theology in just the first verse. Uh, okay, so let's look at verse 2 then. Let's look at verse 2. No strength of ours can match his might. Uh no strength of ours. There are no strength, no understanding, no wisdom, no any of that can match his might. Proverbs 3 verse 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Truly, truly, truly let God be your strength. Let God be your wisdom. Don't try and fight the devil by yourself. Um, We would be lost, rejected, but now a champion comes to fight whom God himself elected. A champion. So this, what does it mean to be someone's champion? It means to fight a battle for them because they can't fight it for themselves, right? It's When we hear this, we think of the medieval times when a, a knight would be someone's champion and fight a battle for them. Uh, but Jesus is our champion. 1 John 3, chapter 8. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. 1 John 3, 8. The reason the Son of God appeared... Was to destroy the devil's work. We we have a champion because we cannot win the battle by ourselves, and so Jesus comes to fight the battle that which we cannot, uh, which we can't win by ourselves. And then, of course, we ask, "Who this may be?" The Lord of Hosts is He, Christ Jesus, mighty Lord, God's only Son, adored. He holds the field victorious. So Jesus is victorious. Uh, Romans sixteen twenty. The God of peace will soon crush satan under your feet so not only is jesus victorious you too will be victorious satan will be crushed under your feet you too will be victorious so our champion has won victory a victory that is yours Uh, because satan is so powerful if we trusted our own strength trusted our own minds we would fail we would lose but christ in christ who is greater than the evil one we have, uh, has fought the battle for us, and we have victory. We have victory. So uh, that's, you know, the first, the first two verses, a lot of theology, but verse two, the, the, the victory is proclaimed, and it is shared, and it is yours, and it is mine, and it is all of ours. Thanks be to God in Jesus Christ for that victory. Okay, so now on to verse three though hordes of devils fill the land all threatening to devour us we tremble not unmoved we stand they cannot overpower us hordes of devils fill the land they're everywhere our enemies are everywhere trying to trying to do whatever they can to bring us to ruin Uh, ephesians 6 12 for our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers Against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. If we're struggling against human beings, if we're struggling against others, we've missed the point. Our true struggle in life is against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We should do all that we can to to fight against, to struggle against the forces of evil. But we know they cannot overpower us. That's what it says. They cannot overpower us. Matthew 16, verse 18. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Other translations say the gates of hell will not overcome it. This is such a powerful vision. It's not the gates of hell will not... Uh, the gates of, we, are, we are taking the fight to the gates of hell. The gates of hell are not going to come to our house. I, I I just have this vision of the the Lord of the Rings, the Return of the King, where uh, Aragon and all the they're all they all go to the gates of Mordor, right, to continue fighting the battle, to continue fighting the battle of good versus evil against all the powers of darkness. They take the battle to the gates of Mordor. That is what the people of God are called to do, to take the battle to the gates of hell, to struggle against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms, to actually take the fight, to not just, not just say, well, God's going to protect me, right? But to be actively involved in what is going on, the struggles of goodness against evil, to be out there and actively involved against the spiritual forces of evil, that against this world's tyrant, let's say, let this world's tyrant rage in the battle will engage. His might is doomed to fail. God's judgment must prevail. One little word subdues him. So the idea that this world's tyrant, the devil, this world's villain is doomed to fail. God's going to prevail. We should not fear. Revelation twenty ten, And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown They will be tormented day and night, forever and ever. So, Failure is in their future. Victory is in our future. We should live that way today. And I love this one little word, subdues him. Well, what is that word? Uh, Philippians 2.10, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. John 1.1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. What, little, what word are we talking about? Well, the word. We are talking about the word, Jesus. We have nothing to fear because we have Jesus. We have the one word that subdues Satan and all the, all the hordes of devils. The, we have one word that overcomes the gates of hell. We have one word that is more powerful than anything else. We have many reasons to fear. We have many good reasons to be afraid, they're all around us. Coronavirus, right? All these things. Riots, all this stuff. Yes, we have many reasons to be afraid, but none of them are bigger than the name of Jesus. None of them. Uh, powerful stuff here. Powerful. I mean, this hymn, is, it was written by Martin Luther, so you'd expect it to have a lot of theology, but this is a lot of good, good, good stuff. Uh, so we are through three verses, one more to go. Okay, so on to the fourth and final verse that we'll look at today. God's word forever shall abide God's word. So back to referencing the word uh, reference to Jesus, this, the, the word equals Jesus and forever will abide. There'll never be a time when, we, when we don't have the power of God. Jesus doesn't go on vacation. Jesus doesn't take breaks. Jesus is always with us. There is no time when the devil, you know, is can say, well, he's, he's gone. Let's get him now. Right. Uh he's looking away. He's doing something else. He's distracted. He's, his focus is elsewhere. God will always be with us. The power of God will always be with us. And then says, no thanks to foes who fear it, for God himself fights by our side with weapons of the Spirit. Weapons of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes into our lives. It's in us, it's with us all the time. But it actually gives us weapons to fight this battle. And what are those weapons? Well, we return to the armor of God. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes in the gospel of peace in addition to all this take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of god so here is what we have here are the weapons that we have to fight against the battle the, to fight the battle against darkness the belt of truth speak the truth, the breastplate of righteousness, do what is right, do what is right, do what is good, the gospel of peace, be at peace, long for peace, work for peace, be a purse, be a peacemaker, take on the shield of faith, our faith, this faith that we have in Christ, nothing is more important than that, nothing is more powerful than that, the helmet of salvation, this is our hope of salvation, Cover ourselves with this hope, and nothing can take that hope away. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And then the the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You know the Bible, the Bible, the Bible. Reading the Bible, uh, it's such a powerful, powerful experience for all of us. Understanding what the Bible says, the picture that this uh, that the the Bible paints for us for for who God is helps us to understand who God is. It shapes, and, and through reading the Word, the Spirit transforms us, and it's just so important to be in the Bible and to be reading the Bible. Uh, you know, you don't have to read a chapter a day. You don't have to just read a little, you know, just be in it. Just read a verse a day, you know, whatever it is, but um, you know, to, to have that, to understand that that is a weapon, that that is something that God has given us, that the Spirit has given us, uh, a weapon in this battle of good versus evil, of God's kingdom versus the kingdom of Satan. Uh, You know, that the more we do these things, the more God's kingdom, the more light we shine, the more God's kingdom comes to the world that we live in. And he says, "...were they to take our house, goods, honor, child, or spouse, though life be wrenched away, they cannot win the day. The kingdom's ours forever." So were they to take our house, our spot, all these things. It reminds me of, of Job, right? Everything was taken away from Job, but Job remained faithful. M- Matthew 10, 28, Jesus says, Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. The body, This body is going to die eventually. But the soul, that which God has saved, that will last forever. Don't be afraid of those who can kill the body. Remain faithful. Understand that. What the, this this battle between good and evil is a eternal battle, and it's all about the the salvation of uh, you know of humanity, uh, and so don't worry about the things that are temporary, focus more on the things that are eternal, and then the kingdoms ours forever. Revelation eleven fifteen, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and His Messiah, and He will reign forever and ever. What a powerful what what a powerful verse because. I mean, we're getting right towards the end of the Bible, Revelation. And for all these books of the New Testament, we are told that the kingdom of the world is under the power of Satan, the prince of darkness. And here's the image of Revelation. The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord, which means what we know, where we live, the reality of where we are is going to be under, for once and finally, the kingdom of God of Jesus. Satan will be banished. The powers of evil will be banished. And all that will remain is God's kingdom. And it will look beautiful. And it will be a beautiful place to be. The problem in the world, going back to the beginning, is that this cosmic spiritual battle, and you are that which is being fought over. The promise at the end of the song is that God is going to win that battle. God has won that battle for you. God is going to share that victory with you. And at the end of the song, the enemy will be banished forever for once and for good. So this is the statement of the song. God will once again and for all of time defeat Satan and triumph over evil in glorious power. This is who our God is. This is what our God can do. This is what the end will look like. All of this life, all of life itself, is a battle of good versus evil. God continues to be with us. God gives us all that we need to overcome the works of evil. And at the end, God will finish the victory. That is a mighty fortress is our God. Everybody have a wonderful day. Stay safe. Protect yourself. And uh, let's close with a word of prayer. Uh, Because we are looking at A Mighty Fortress as Our God, written by Luther, I thought we would do Luther's morning prayer since it is still morning. Let us pray. I give thanks to you, Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have protected me through the night from all harm and danger. I ask you to preserve and keep me this day also from all sin and evil, that in all our thoughts, words, and deeds we may serve you and please you. Into your hands I commend my body, my soul, and all that is mine. Let your holy angels be with me so that the wicked foe have no power over me. Amen. Have a great day, everybody. See you soon.